challenging men to be great men. Don't just be a male, be a man, a great man. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author and leader of men, Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, let us begin. Hey, before I dive into my topic for this episode, I want to remind you that in my last episode, I talked about inflation. I talked about the need to get our financial houses in order. I admitted my own sins. And one of the best financial counselors I know stepped up and said he wanted to make a difference, that he wanted to help. And he's literally given me his phone number for you to call if you're in trouble. This is a man who knows what he's doing. He's a man with a PhD, former Air Force, an engineer. He's now investing himself in the whole issue of helping people get their financial houses in order. Uh, He knows the resources. He knows the programs. He has the tools. And so this man is offering to help those Uh, whom we're reaching through this podcast. I am unbelievably happy for that. I'm not going to give his name on the air, but I am going to give a number that you can call, 703-507-1560. 703-507-1560. This dear friend of mine, whom I trust completely, is offering to help. If you're in trouble, if you need to get get, get your house in order, if you don't want to make the mistakes that I admitted that I had made in my life in the last podcast, and by the way, if you haven't heard it, listen to it uh, so that you can see what the challenges might be for you, call the number I just gave you, 703-507-1560. This is completely voluntary on this man's part, no financial connection to this podcast, and he can help. So give him a call. Now, I want to tell you a story by way of illustrating. In fact, I'm going to tell you two stories by way of illustrating one of the great principles of noble manhood. As many of you may know, some years ago, I was embedded with U.S. troops in Iraq. And while I was there, I explored the story of the Abu Ghraib debacle. You remember that some young guards, young army guards who were guarding Uh, Iraqi prisoners at a prison called Abu Ghraib uh, began to abuse them, began to take pictures of them naked, began to terrify them with dogs. Um, You know, some of the female guards began to, you know, seduce them sexually and things like that. It was absolutely horrible and disgusting. Well, as I investigated that a little bit, because I put it in my book, The Faith of the American Soldier, put that story in the book, um, I found out that Part of the story here had been chaplains. Let me tell you the bad, and then I'll tell you the good. While Abu Ghraib was falling apart, while these horrible things were happening, um, there was a lead chaplain who was a person who stayed in her room all the time. She was not very present. Uh, She was a bit intimidated. Um, I mean, nothing ethnically disparaging when I say she was an Asian woman with a, known to have a very thick accent. Now, I didn't ever meet her, uh, but this is what everyone said. By all accounts, this was, this was part of the issue. So she was a bit overwhelmed. She was, uh, had a heavy accent. Many people could hardly understand what she was saying, even though, of course, she was academically qualified. She wasn't very present. She stayed in her quarters, as they call it in the military, didn't come out very much, just did the formal things of chapel services and burials and what have you that she had to do. Well, of course, the whole thing came unraveled, and uh, we as a nation took a black eye. Well, while I was there, I was with some of the chaplain commanders who then took over after she was uh, replaced. 
the new new orders, new commanders, new battalion, etc. Uh, obviously, with an attempt to get this straightened up, and I spent time uh, with the senior chaplains, the colonels who were in charge now of Abu Ghraib after the debacle, and they began to insist upon a practice called ministry by presence. Every time a, a prisoner was moved, every time a prisoner was brought in, every time a prisoner was interrogated, um, a chaplain was there. And there were there were a number of chaplains. It wasn't just one. Uh, the Asian Asian officer had been the lead chaplain, but everybody else followed her lead. Now, with a new team in place, um, these colonels, these chaplains, uh, senior chaplains began to insist upon the all of their chaplains being present. They were there when prisoners were uh, interrogated. They were there keeping an eye on the care of prisoners. Yes, they were ministering to the soldiers, but they engaged in what they called, this is their phrase, not mine, ministry by presence. And it completely transformed Abu Ghraib. That's what the Western press, the American press has not told you, that chaplains being present, being active, teaching scripture so that there was an ethical uh, influence upon the soldiers uh, transformed Abu Ghraib. And uh, they even, they even uh, the military created an honor coin, a challenge coin, they call it, um, that had the slogan on it, restoring America's honor. And it was completely the work of chaplains who were willing to be present. It's a story that I really love. I really think it's a great principle of leadership. Well, let me tell you why I'm telling you this. There's another story just like it that, again, illustrates one of the great principles of noble manhood. You may have seen this here recently on the news, particularly CBS News, because they've picked up the story and run it not only in their evening news with Nora O'Donnell, but also on CBS Sunday Morning, kind of a magazine show they do on Sunday mornings. And here's the story. In Southwood High School in Shreveport, Louisiana, there had been an outbreak of violence and fighting. In fact, 23 students had been arrested for fighting. In other words, the principal, the teachers, coaches, had to actually call the police to arrest these students uh, who were fighting on campus. There was nothing else they could do. What are they, they, they don't have, you know, the teachers don't have guns or, you know, handcuffs or what have you. So they had to call the police. And 23 students were arrested for fighting. It was a real crisis. And then something changed, and there hasn't been a single fight since. Now, listen, guys. What changed was a group of 40 dads. As far as I can tell from the reporting, they were all African-American, and I, I hope that wasn't true. I, I see um, in the video of the students that they show on television that there were white students, so I hope some white dads stepped up too. But anyway, the ones they interview, the ones that we see on television, are all African-American, which I think is important for us to bear in mind. 40 dads show up. Uh, they began wearing, they began going into the schools and just being present. They started wearing t shirts that said, Dad's on duty. <laughs> I love that. Dad's on duty. And uh, in the interviews that you can see, just Google this story, you'll, you'll find the interviews uh, with the CBS correspondent. Um, they're asked, do you have any degrees in criminology? Do you have any degrees as school counseling? Do you have any, is there any, back? and they all go, no, not a dang thing. We just showed up. They showed up in these t-shirts. They went in shifts and they began engaging the students, began talking to them, began joking with them, began being present, and also began exercising a little bit of discipline, not, not the discipline that belongs to a teacher or a principal, but you can hear them in the video that's available saying, all right, son, get to class, you know, okay, hurry it along here. 
Um, but also they're looking at photos of, you know, girlfriends with the guys and they're joking with them and they're playing around and there's lots of laughter, but they're there, they're present. And the reporter interviews the students and the students say, you know what? I, I just felt safety. I just felt it was safe. And we stopped fighting and we started going to class. And one girl says, you know what the look is, right? I mean, you know, you know, the look, <laughs> And what she's talking about is that thing that, you know, everybody who's had a father in the home knows that a dad who's a good dad can just really shut things down with a look. I I remember my two kids, I could just look across the room because they respected me and we had a good relationship. I could look across the room at them like, don't keep doing that. And it would stop. Now, there were other times I had to step in and separate them and send them to their rooms. And in the early, early days, maybe a little bit of a spank, but You understand what I'm saying. These dads show up. They give a look. They're there to stop the fighting. They're there to encourage the kids. They're there to check on their student. What would you get on that class? And the reason I mentioned the issue of African-American or or even the ethnic issue, some of you think I may be preoccupied with that, but this is a largely black high school. And a lot of those kids, you know the stats, they're tragic. They break my heart. A lot of those kids don't have a man in the home at all, much less a biological dad or even a stepdad. So these are the main dads a lot of these kids have. And you can see these kids rallying around them. Here are these men, and they're just average guys. You can just tell them. They're just, you know, average guys. But they're showing up, dad's on duty, and they're walking the halls, and they've transformed that school. The teachers, the, the administrators are thrilled. The students are delighted. They've got, a, they've got dads there relationships are being built. It's it's the same thing those chaplains did at Abu Ghraib. It's that they went, they, they did ministry by presence. I would suggest these dads in Shreveport are doing leadership by presence. And this is one of the great truths. This is one of the great skills, one of the great arts of manhood is you have to be present. Now, I've told you before that have been a lot of times in my life um, when I could change a situation just by being present. I'm six four, you know. I've been over two hundred pounds since I was like two years old, so I'm I'm a larger guy. And if I wanted to do good, if I wanted to stop something, if I wanted to help help change a situation, I could often just stand there, and and things would change. I've I've broken up fights, sure, physically and that kind of thing, like almost any good man has. But what I'm saying is. Just being present, just standing there changes the immediate environment. And kids will stop squabbling, or I once stood there um, while a kid was stuffing his uh, pockets with candy. When he saw me just standing there looking at him, I never said a word. He took all the candy out of his pocket and put it back and didn't steal it. Well, you understand what I'm saying. There are lots of situations like that. It's not just me, and it's not just situations with candy. But a good man knows the power of his presence. The good man knows the power of showing up. The good man knows the power of leading by presence. I so admire these guys down in Shreveport. I so admire these dads on duty. If they ever need any money, if they ever do a GoFundMe, if they ever, you know, if this if this thing grows into a broader movement, I'm going to do everything I can to encourage it. I hope you will too. But the more important principle for our podcast right now, for this time together, is that I want you to be aware that a good man shows up. A good man allows his presence to emanate. I write about this in Mansfield's Book of Manly Men in the chapter on John Wooden, who was one of the most powerful presences for a guy who was about half my size of anyone I've ever been with. And I describe that in the book. 
but you need to show up. You need to be present. You know, I even believe that a man needs to be in his kids' rooms. I don't mean check, check in every drawer. I mean, go in there and lay on the bed and talk to him. Just be present. Be in the room. Share the space. Good man needs to be at the games. Good man needs to be present. Uh, good man needs to hang. Good man needs to walk the halls. What's going on in the schools your kids attend? What what what's the what's the father situation there? What trends can be changed by you being present? I can tell you over the years, having done prison ministry and having been with people who were troubled in various situations, just a couple of guys who love them being present, just an arm around a teenager who's got no one else, just a little word of encouragement of the kid who's failed his math test, and maybe you get a tutor for them and you just encourage them a bit. I've seen a kid go from an F to an A in a subject he said he barely understood because someone began to encourage and people were present and they began to think through solutions. So one of the great arts of noble manhood is that you are present. I so admire these dads on duty in Shreveport. And I urge you to do the same in your life, in your leadership roles, uh, in whatever ministries you've got. If you are religious figures, religious leaders, Christian pastors, what have you. Uh, But mainly know the power of presence. A good man emanates. A good man radiates. Not saying anything new age here, of course. I'm just saying a good man's presence changes things. We've got to have confidence in that. We've got to exercise it. We've got to be willing to invest it. Because this is one of the great arts of noble manhood. To join the great man movement or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, Go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's three essential books for men. Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, Building Your Band of Brothers, and Men on Fire, as well as some other great resources for helping you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production. 